with you I would like you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9 I don't know whether these words are going to come across behind me are they I don't know yeah oh there we go Um, so this is a really well-known passage of scripture the first verse is often read at Christmas so no doubt in a few weeks time is it Christmas in a few weeks time I guess it is it's not long is it It comes so quickly Isaiah chapter 9, this first verse, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That kind of rolls off the tongue. It's, it's obviously a prophetic word about Jesus coming to earth, but it kind of often stops there, whereas actually the next verse goes on to say some amazing statements about this this wonderful counsel, this mighty God. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's pretty amazing. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I think this is a scripture that is meant to be Uh, a prophetic encouragement to us as individuals today, but also us as a church, and also to us as a family of churches as well. Back in July, um, we had a core team meeting. So I have this new grand core team. We meet very regularly, sometimes online, and as much as we can in person. And um, uh, we had this particular meeting in July where we made the decision we weren't going to do any detailed stuff. We weren't going to talk around churches or issues or difficulties that we were facing, but we were just simply going to step back from everything and have a couple of days praying and saying, Lord, what are you saying to us? What is your word to us as a, as a people as we go forward? We want to dream a little bit about the future. And what we basically came up with was we felt that new ground um, was initially, there's a three stages. New ground was established. When you're starting something new, it's important to establish it, to put foundations in. This building has foundations underneath. You don't come here looking at the foundations and going, my, what wonderful foundations. But you jolly well hope they're here, otherwise you're in trouble. Foundations are, are important. And so you have a, few, a time of where you establish things. And then secondly, you maintain those things. You build on them, you maintain them. And you go through a time of kind of maintenance. The COVID years really were like that. The COVID years were a time when, you know, you had to just strip back, you had to go online, you couldn't meet in person, so you're just maintaining whatever's happened to you thus far. We felt that God was saying to us, having done those two things, the third thing is multiplication that everything that you have so far established and maintained is not supposed to be the end. It's only a means to an end, and that that end is multiplication. So everything that we've done so far would then be multiplied. Now, as you know, because you've just seen it on the screen, there are four 
major areas that we kind of, as a family of churches, live by. The first is that we are to take new ground in raising leaders, secondly, by impacting our local communities, thirdly, by planting churches, and fourthly, by reaching new nations, which is why you saw those four topics on the screen just a moment ago. And it's been great over the last nine, ten years that this, this family of churches have existed, just to uh, recognize that through the academy we've raised up leaders, through apostolic input, we've been able to help churches really impact their localities. We kind of planted a few churches, not many, but we've done a little bit of that, and we've definitely kept our focus international, always wanting to reach out to new nations. So it's been a pretty good story. But we're now believing for all of that to begin to really multiply. We're really stirred about raising up a new generation who will become the leaders of the future. Whether that's people in this room, it's not just an age thing, it's a kind of post-COVID generational thing, but also behind us there are generations coming through and they are going to be part of the future as we move forward. Um, we have been able and we want to multiply the ability to help churches to make a greater impact upon their areas. And most of those stories you heard, whether it's busloads of stuff to Ukraine or whether it's helping Afghan refugees or whether it's that food bank in the middle, those things are just touching the surface. I'm so thrilled that we're in a Christianity that's not just about singing songs on Sunday, but it really is making an impact. And part of apostolic ministry is to make, help churches to really impact their localities. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. We're here to really make an impact upon our communities. The goal of our churches is this, that if we were to disappear, our local councils and communities would really, really notice the difference. That's a challenge as to whether that is true or, or not. And then for multiplication, time to plant whole loads of churches. We really want that to multiply and also to reach many new nations. I had a very strange um, gift given to me this year by uh, a, a bunch of churches that I went to speak at, nothing to do with New Frontiers and New Ground, and that Amazon post arrives. You know, I thought, oh, great, a crate of wine. Uh, it wasn't. It was big. So I thought, well, this is great. And I noticed it wasn't very heavy. And they'd sent me a globe made of cork. Okay? Does that resonate with you? And the point is, on a cork globe, you've got pins, and you can stick these pins into the globe. And these dear people said to me, we believe that new ground is going to be reaching many more nations. So you're going to have to get lots of pins to put all over your globe, which is really, really encouraging that they actually felt like that. And it's true, the last six, seven months since we've kind of come out of this season, we really have had the joy of seeing signs of potential multiplication happening all around us. But here's the point that I really want to make and to help us this afternoon. We could be believing for multiplication because it's all just wishful thinking. I mean, when you've come out of a bad time, why would you want to keep thinking about a bad time? If you come out of a bad time and a struggle, you start to think of something hopeful and something beyond it. So maybe we're just having happy thoughts that everything we've been through, surely the best is yet to come. Things can only get better. Maybe 
we're in danger of this just being a kind of post-pandemic optimism. If that were true, what we're believing for multiplication wouldn't fill you or me with confidence. Just wouldn't be confident about it. It's okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just you know, move forward and it'll be great. But what assurance have we got? What confidence do we have that that dream of multiplying everything will absolutely come to fruition without any doubt in our minds? Well, I think Isaiah 9 helps us because those verses in Isaiah 9 indicate for unto us a son is given, a child is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. It seems to say so much more than a bunch of people coming through a pandemic and just being hopeful about the future. When I look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end on the throne of David and his kingdom from this time forth forevermore, it doesn't seem to be an awful lot about you and me. It doesn't seem to be down to us to make things different. It doesn't seem to be about our numbers. It doesn't seem to be about what kind of profile we have or how, how many highly gifted individuals we have to make things happen. Isaiah 9 seems to indicate it's all going to happen in God alone. It's all going to happen because God has said some things that are going to come to pass. It's all about a God who's faithful to his promises. And if you look at the end of it, it says, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's not even down to our hard work. It's not even down to our zeal. It's not even down to us being passionate about things. God says, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but this starts to make me feel a little incy-wincy bit more confident than I was before. And in the Bible, there are constantly promises, principles, and these principles are universal, they're timeless, and they're absolute. You can't argue with them. And one of those principles I want to just concentrate on this afternoon, just one. And it's the source of our confidence that what God is doing is about to multiply. And that one principle is what the Bible calls the kingdom of God. You've read about it in Isaiah chapter 9 already, the increase of his government, the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. But if you've got your Bibles with you, I would love you to turn to Luke chapter 13. And here we see the beginning of Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, which Jesus spoke about all the time. Everywhere Jesus went, he spoke about the kingdom. In fact, the phrase kingdom of God comes 80 times in the New Testament alone. It's a big deal. Jesus often talked about the kingdom of God in parables. And here's one or two of them. Luke chapter 13, verse 18. He said there, what is the kingdom of God? What is it like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Verse 20. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid 
in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I don't really want to go there because I don't know much about making bread. Ask Dave at the back. He knows everything about But I think what it means is there's a hidden ingredient that you can't see. Is that right? Until things start to... He's nodding. So still things start to develop. You're not going to get the finished result unless some things that are hidden. So the kingdom of God is so small... It's like a mustard seed, which I believe is the smallest seed ever. You can't hardly see it with the human eye. But once it's planted, once the the leaven is in the dough, the inevitable result is going to be a transformation. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Still talking of the kingdom. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. I have have hardly any knowledge of gardening whatsoever. But what this is saying is, you can go to bed at night. It's not your hard toil that's going to make the seed grow. We don't even really understand how it happens. But he does it. You know, the natural processes begin to happen because the seed has been Planted And once planted, this kingdom, once planted, the kingdom is like a seed. And once planted, a process starts to happen. Now listen, folks, this is important. This kingdom's in you. This kingdom works through you. This kingdom works through the church. This kingdom works through a family of churches to nations and into society. The definition of the kingdom, because people don't always understand it, is this. It is the rule and reign of King Jesus everywhere and over all things. Wherever we, his people, go through the church, the kingdom of God is at work and revealed. Every time we pray the prayer Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, every time we pray that, we're really praying, Lord, let your rule and reign come to my street, come to my family, come to my friends, come to my university, come to my school, come to my workplace. In other words, wherever you do life, wherever the church turns up, the kingdom of God comes through it. So a church planting something on an inner city estate is not just a group of people living there. It is the kingdom of God coming to make a difference to that society. That's why you heard stories. Churches need to be planted everywhere because where they're planted, the kingdom of God comes, the rule of God comes, the reign of Jesus makes a difference to those who are in that vicinity. And there are four points to raise about the kingdom of God, the seed of the kingdom. The first is this, God always initiates it. The second is, God always sustains it. The third principle is, it always starts small and then it gets larger. And the fourth thing is, it's eternal. It has something not of this world about it, something of eternity. Every time you plant the kingdom seed, those four things happen without fail. Luke chapter 13 talks about a seed as small as a mustard seed and it grows and it becomes this huge tree and you notice it says, 
and the birds of the air nest in it. Okay, now I moved, we moved to our house in Mottingham 20 years ago. And the garden doesn't look like it looked 20 years ago because unbeknownst to me, my wife didn't like the garden and she decided that she would plant seeds or plant whatever a tree becomes out of something. And she had this plan. She never told me about it. I wasn't interested anyway. I'm not a gardener. And she kind of went, but I am interested now because the garden's transformed. And these little plants of years ago are now, I kid you not, enormous. I can't see my neighbours. My neighbours can't see me, which is really great news. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous what she's done. There's an apple tree cooking apples. Uh, I, when I, 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 one thing I do is mow the lawn. Isn't that great? And it's so annoying because now I can't even get under the trees in order to do it properly. It's just, it's just crazy in 20 years the difference. One of the trees she planted is called a twisted willow. There you go, I'm really informed, aren't I? I never knew there was a tree called a twisted willow. And this thing has just gone crazy. I mean, it just, it's just bigger and bigger and bigger. It's massive. I mean, it's just huge. And it's a picture of Luke chapter 13. And not only that, it said the birds of the air will come. You know all around us we've got these blooming parakeets that don't, all around the southeast of England. Well, that tree, there are sometimes, I've counted, 40 parakeets. It's Luke chapter 13 in my garden. And that is exactly what the kingdom of God is like. It's confidence that once this thing is planted, this is going to be the result. One Bible commentator made this comment on Luke 13. The final outcome is inevitable once the natural process of growth has begun. Let me repeat that. It's really good. The final outcome is inevitable once the natural process of growth has begun. This is true of you, it's true of new community, it's true of new ground. So it's true of you because when the seed of God was planted in your life, because the only way you can become a Christian is to be born of the Spirit of God. It's like a seed of eternity that's been planted in your life. And God initiates it, and God sustains it, and God grows it, and it's eternal. Think about yourself. You didn't initiate this. God initiated it. You didn't deserve God's love to come in. The Bible says we were dead in our sins. Dead people don't make much contribution. As far as I can... uh, Dead people are dead. There's not even shades of deadness. So everybody's dead. You raised in a Christian family, you're dead. Spiritually, It's not because I've raised in a Christian family I'm more alive. No, you're not. You are dead. And the only way you can come to life is someone else to come and put something in you that breathes life into your being. That's true of me. It's true of you. And then having planted the seed, God's the one who sustains it. That's just such good news. It's not down to me now to make this seed grow. He's committed to making this seed grow. He's committed to sustaining what he's done. The Bible says he who began a good work in you will bring it to to completion. Now, 
He gives us everything to help that happen. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the church. He gives us people who disciple us. He gives us his word. He sustains us. He just keeps giving everything. He answers our prayers. He fulfills his promises. So in your life, the kingdom of God, he initiated it, he sustained it, and he's the one who's going to cause it to grow. I mean, the day I got saved, what did I know? I just knew I'd become a Christian, and I knew that my sins had been forgiven. There's an awful lot more that he has to do in me. It began small, and it grows. And then the joy of understanding that in me, he's put something which is in 1 Peter 3 says, imperishable. Everything about this, you don't have to look at me, but everything about this physical body will one day come to an end. The only thing that goes on into, into eternity is what is of eternity, which is what God has put within me. And the reason that we all die, did you know this, is because this outer coil has to one day just give up because inside of you there's something getting ready for a new body. There's something getting ready for eternity in the presence of God. So death is inevitable for us because this has to go because it's temporary and that which is inside you is eternal. And if that's true of you as an individual, it's true of the local church. It's true of new community. 40 plus years ago, God had a plan. He planted a seed. It became what new community is today. He sustains it over these 40 years. It's not down to people, it's down to him. The Bible's very clear that the ascended Christ keeps on giving gifts to the church. He's the one filling the church. He's the one building the church. So he initiates, he sustains, and we said earlier the principle is it always starts small and then it grows larger. And so if it's really Jesus building the church, it will grow. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything. But only God gives the growth. This is the principle of something starting small that begins to grow. And then in the local church, there's a seed of eternity. We are the bride of Christ. We are not fit to stay in this world. If you read the Bible to the end of the book, you find the church is there into eternity. Investing in eternal things is a very, very wise investment. Most of us, sadly, invest a lot of our time and energy into something. And this, this, this is depressing on a wet Sunday afternoon. Most of what we, it, they're all temporary. It's all going to fade away. It's all going to disappear into nothing. But a wise investment is to invest in something of eternal value, the kingdom of God. And the new ground family of churches that we're a part of is initiated by God, sustained by God. At the moment, it's pretty small, so it's only one way it can go, which is really good news. And it's of eternal value. All that we're building is into eternity. So you, you, some of you know me. I'm not a spring chicken anymore, okay? I'm kind of at the final decades of my life. But the reality is this. We're not building something to depend upon temporal people like me. What we're doing is we're part of something that goes way, 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 way beyond us for generations to come. 
So my mate Terry Virgo, when he started New Frontiers all those years ago, he then handed it all over 10, 12 years ago, and the thing's gone crazy. I mean, it's just multiplied. 90 nations, 3,000 churches, and the guy gave it all over. It's not dependent upon him. Someone said to me, you know, a few years ago, what are we going to do when Terry dies? I said, we're going to bury him. <laughs> That's what people do when people die. Now, some of us will shed a tear, but the reality is that's what you do. It's like there's nobody around who's going to live forever, right? We're all temporary. So there'll be time ago when I go, if this is of the kingdom of God, if new ground is dependent on me, it will die if it's dependent on me. But if it's not, praise God, it's going to go way beyond us. I want to see my grandkids going way beyond us. This is the basis of our confidence, brothers and sisters. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is amongst us. And the kingdom is being manifest through us. Therefore, it's going to multiply. And our confidence, not in ourselves, but in this seed that will always grow and multiply. So let me close with two responses. The first response is this. God is calling us to nurture this seed. I'm not even sure that's a correct way of looking at seeds. <laughs> Do you nurture seeds? I don't know. That's the, word, that's the phrase I came up with. We need to nurture this seed. We need to tend it. We need to protect it. If you like, we need to dig around it. So what would that look like for you as a Christian this afternoon, as an individual? Well, maybe the nurturing of the seed, the, the, the digging around of that seed are things like steps of faith. Every time you take a step of faith, you're helping that seed to grow. Maybe it's being discipled by other people and saying, look, I don't want to do this Christian life on my own. Please, can you help me? Can we walk can we encourage? Can we speak into one another's lives? I think that's kind of digging around the seed that God's put you in, in you. Maybe it's willing to serve. Maybe God's giving you gifts that this church desperately needs. Maybe it's stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things for the first time. As you, maybe it's having conversations with some people about Jesus. Maybe it's an act of kindness Maybe it's a new beginning. Maybe it's even as radical as saying, well, I'm digging this seed around. I thought God's calling me to plant a church or God's calling me to move to another nation. All of these things are kind of things you can think of, of ways of digging around the seed that God's put within your life. In other words, listen, this is important. Yes, God does all of these things, but we don't go passive. We play an active role alongside the work of the Spirit within us. We make ourselves available. We make choices. We make decisions. We do things to enable the seed of God to have full sway in our lives. And if that's true individually, what about nurturing the seed corporately? What should new community do in order to make sure this seed keeps on growing? Well, I would imagine it's things like corporate prayer. Uh, maybe we should do more of that. <laughs> to make sure this seed begins to grow. I absolutely believe it's things like unity in diversity. I mean, you've heard enough about that over the last year. 
how important it is that as a church we, we, we're not just homogenous, one type of person, but that we embrace the nations of the world and that we are a multiracial, multi, you know, in generational, everything kind of church. Maybe that helps to dig around that seed so that it begins to grow. grow. Maybe it's reaching the marginalised and the poor in our society. Maybe it's even new community, planting another church or reaching another nation, going on an adventure, certainly not staying the same as we are year after year. I think this is really interesting. I'll just, oh dear, we're running out of time. What a shame. Oh, let's go on for it anyway. Uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 7, just says this. I, well, verse 6, it's just interesting. I don't know if you know we've got the scripture, but 13 verse 6 says, And he told this parable, A man has a fig tree, had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now, I've, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I found none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And this is really interesting. <laughs> the conversation goes on and he answers him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it, put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, okay, cut it down. There's just something strange in this little parable conversation. And for me, it's like, do you know what? It doesn't seem to be being fruitful, but can we just dig it around for another year? maybe it will produce fruit. And sometimes we're just not sure about things and you're never sure until you take a risk and dig it around. And if we're just sitting back all the time thinking it has to be perfect before we can move forward, there are certain things that you never know. I've done things in my Christian life and I thought I have no idea whether this is going to really ever truly be fruitful or not, but I'm just going to dig it around and other people. Sometimes it produces fruit and sometimes it isn't, so you cut it down. But hey, no one died and we're going to go and try it. We're going to take it for a spin. We're going to try some things. And there's something about the kingdom of God that's just a little bit like that to move it forward. I think one of the reasons the church in the West is not growing as it is in other parts of the world is that we contain what God wants to give away. We love these four walls. It makes us feel comfortable. You know, it's four walls, even though I know some of you are feeling cold because the heating's not working properly. It's kind of like, but we kind of like it, the lighting, everything. The reality is this, the kingdom of God is not contained within these four walls. It's forever pushing out beyond the walls. It's forever moving. And, and, and in the West, we try to contain things. We're still waiting for people to come to us rather than us going to them. And you only have to read the book of the Acts just for a few moments and you realise it's all out there. It's people going out. It's people going out. It's breaking barriers. It's moving out. It's, it's, it's creating things all the time. Most of the miracles in the Bible are not in meetings. They're on the streets. They're out where people are who don't know Jesus. So I would say this, let's nurture this seed. If you're confident that God has planted, then let's play our part and be available and say, Lord, we want to help to nurture this seed. And the final thing is this, it is time to take risks. 
We do need to go on a bit of an adventure. If you've got the basis of absolute assurance, then breakthrough comes when some of us step out and do some things. We're pioneers. We're not settlers. For new ground, as a family church is to multiply, it needs to be hundreds and thousands of people who are prepared to take a step of faith and see things happen. That's not being presumptuous, it's actually believing what God has said and saying, I believe that the one who made the promises has the power to fulfill those promises. And then we'll start to see God move. That's why I believe in multiplication. Not because we're confident in one another, but because the kingdom of God is a seed and it always grows. Therefore, for new ground in the future, many more churches to be planted, many more nations to be reached. Salvation. The one thing that we dream of is churches where we see a massive breakthrough in salvation. I kind of like, I I don't mind Christians transferring from one church to another. It happens. But real growth in this country with a 90% of the people don't know Jesus and don't go to church. They are the ones that we need to reach. That is how the church is going to grow, by reaching people who do not know Jesus. I love the French guy. He talked really quick, didn't he? Did you notice? I'm reading the words. And it's kind of like these two younger people just come to Jesus with no Christian background whatsoever. Now, I could tell you story after story right now that's happening in loads of churches, but to see that multiplied, to see that there's hundreds of people from all different backgrounds and classes and skin colours and languages and cultures, all welcomed and being brought into the kingdom of God and seeing that multiplied. Guys, there's a harvest. We still haven't seen it, not in this country, but there's a harvest and it's ready and it's waiting and the kingdom of God is being planted all over the place so that we can be confident that we will see a massive, massive breakthrough. Why don't we just stand to our feet? We've gone over five o'clock, but you're all young, so. John, you've still got time to apply some of this if you want, if you want to, it's up to you. You're an elder, I'm not, so. Father, we just, we just thank you that we're not people who are whistling in the dark or just wishful thinkers and hopers. But our assurance is based on the promises that you have made of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Here we are in our Western world, Christianity declining, and a world that doesn't know Jesus. We believe that your promises are true. Would you please sow the seed of the kingdom more and more in people's lives? Lord, would you plant churches with the seed of the kingdom so that those churches may begin small and grow? Just think, Lord, of that video already out of date as the church in Rotterdam has now got 50 people and they've already got a venue. 
Lord, you are increasing your kingdom all the time. And we pray for us here as new community. We won't settle for what we have. We pray for multiple congregations and multiple expressions, multiple communities, because so many people are coming to know you. Have your way amongst us, Lord. Let your seed be sown. And we are confident that he who began a good work will definitely bring it to completion. And even this afternoon, if you, you're here today and you're just kind of like, well, nothing seems to be happening. I don't, nothing's moving forward. I want you to really go out of here today absolutely assured that if, the, if you are born again and the seed of God's kingdoms come, even like the leaven in the dough, sometimes it's hidden and you can't see it. That song we sing, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. I want to say to some of us today, even though you're like that about yourself, God is at work in you. He is doing things way beyond you could even ask or imagine. And for us as a church, some of us get frustrated with new community. It's kind of frustrating because people like you and me are in it. It's kind of like, Lord, when's this going to really move forward? God is at work doing something we can't even see. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless this family of churches, multiple nations now in multiple places, your work. Would you keep blessing this family and causing it to grow and increase, not for the sake of our name, but for the sake of your glory. 